Till the Whole World Hears is our podcast of mission stories from across the globe, told by members in WEC UK and Ireland. Welcome and thanks for joining us. I am your host, Martha, and together we'll learn more about what mission can look like. It can be challenging to live for Christ in the day-to-day, but hearing from others can inspire us to persevere exactly where God has placed us. Thank you for joining, and I hope you enjoy hearing these conversations. Margaret, thanks for agreeing to chat with me today. Where did you go on mission? I went to what's now the Democratic Republic of Congo, but in my time there it was called Zaire. How long were you in the Congo for then? 26 years. I went in 1970, just after the Simba Rebellion, and uh, came back in 1996. What was your journey into mission? Basically, I became a Christian as a pretty young child. Through John 3.16, God loved the world and whosoever believes in him. So he loved me and my world, and, and that was it as a child. And then once I had really become an adult and was already teaching, God began to show me that it was time I really realized that he really did love the whole world. And he wanted me to be a part of that because a lot of the world didn't know yet that he loved them. And so basically that was it. I said, well, I was willing. And he said he would guide me with his eye. And time went past and I was just training. And then gradually I realized that he really did want me in mission because the nations came up on every page. You know, reading your Bible, it came up everywhere. What was your role in mission then? Well, at home here, I was a secondary school teacher. So I went out to help in a secondary school that was being set up after the rebellion. Can you describe then typically what you did in your role? In the day-to-day, it looked like starting school at half six in the morning and going and teaching anything really that was on the government syllabus. Uh, we taught with some African teachers helping as well. Basically, you were teaching with just chalk and talk and improvising all the time on everything. But it was normal school, the Belgian system which meant when they, if they qualified at the end and passed the state exam at the end of their sixth year, they'd be qualified primary school teachers. So we were basically training primary teachers and, and giving a, a general secondary education. How did you find that afforded opportunities for mission or what did it look like for you to be missional in that role? It was very easy there because when I went, a church had already formed and so... The school began every day with prayers and, and we sang songs from Jean de Victoire. I don't know if you would know that, but it's like singing songs from redemption songs. And then you'd read something from the word and there would be a prayer time and the boys would pray about absolutely anything. And they prayed, you know, and, and they sort of expected God to answer prayers. And so in some ways I was learning from them, but you're learning all the time. Everybody's learning all the time. And but I was really quite surprised that day when, you know, my first day, I remember, I, I thought I would have to do the praying. But when we said, let's pray, they, one after the other, did, and I didn't have to at all. Can you think of an example of an answer to prayer during your time in mission that you experienced? Yeah, well, one of the, one of the boys one day said, oh, 
can I go back down to the dormitory? I don't feel very well. And his friend came back and said, actually, he's gone blind. Cut a long story short, he came back from a specialist doctor in Nairobi, but he had glasses. He could see, but he had glasses that were like wee binoculars, you know, field glasses. So it was a very weak frame with a heavy thing on, and he managed on that for a while. And when the state exams came up, he was really worried because his glasses kept breaking. But he said, I want us to really pray that I'll see well during my state exams. So the missionary prayer group were praying that the Lord would help him to see for his exams and so on. We went in and it turned out, actually, that he said, oh, I can't see well these specs at all. In fact, I can see better without them. You know, the Lord didn't fix the specs, but for that time, he fixed his sight. And that year, he was, he was the only one who really actually had a success in his state exams. That's incredible. Praise the Lord. We expected the Lord, you know, to keep his specs in good shape. but He did over and above. <laughs> yes, he did. How do I know God is calling me? Can God use me? And what is the process? All this and more will be explored in our next online Mission and Me a WEC-led space to have your questions answered. Run throughout the year with the next one on the 10th of July. You can book now by going to our website and searching for Mission and Me. Join us for a time of exploration and discovery. The event is informal, interactive and informative. We hope to see you there. Prayer was a kind of way of life almost because there was so much that you didn't have that's here. So they're people of prayer. You know, they, they really expect God to to answer their prayers for literally their daily bread. <laughs> you know, just their total dependence on the Lord, but their their faith that he will provide anything from their jotter that has run out to to quite big things and it's because you didn't have all these other ports of call to go to before him so he came up very early on the list of your ports of call for your emergencies or your your daily needs or whatever my temptation when i hear about the fact that when you have less you pray more i will immediately think oh no it's bad therefore that I have you know the ability to access free healthcare for example but you can you you know you can pray about the things you have as well as the things you don't have well I would always when I hear say for example that somebody has gone into hospital I would be praying that the Lord would guide the professionals to take the right decisions and block them in any wrong decision. It's not a huge lengthy prayer. It's just putting them into the professionals' hands, asking God to help the professionals to to do the right things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, see, seeing that God works through all sorts of things. Could you tell us about a cultural difference? Um, it's very important to keep shaking hands. It's very important to keep giving your hand that that is one of the things if you if you kind of forget they can maybe feel well what have I done wrong why you not giving me your hand that kind of thing the other kind of things for me were things like time and distance you know a school inspector would say well I'll be back in half an hour and I would be kind of not doing something because he's just going to be back in half an hour. And one of my students says oh multiply times and distances by three and you'll be fine that worked for me. 
they're much more relaxed about time than we are. You forget about your watch and basically it's called for called to eat well when when the food's ready. <laughs> Did you find that difficult to adjust back to when you came back to the UK after being on mission? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is it's quite hard to uh, keep to time any time that you're somewhere because they're so relaxed about it. But we, we do know, I think because of school, we knew that, well, school, when the bell went, that was it, you know, and you had to be there on time and the boys knew they had to be there for their class on time. But out with school, you know, go out somewhere in a village and you're supposed to be say, speaking at the, the morning service. And so you say, is there a 10 o'clock service here? And they say, yes, yes, there's a 10 o'clock service. So you're there ready for 10 o'clock. Uh, and maybe half past 11. And I said, I thought you said there's 10 o'clock service. Yes, there is, but it's at half past 11. <laughs> they need the morning service, you know, but it's at half past 11. It's more relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's just an approximate, approximately 10. <laughs> Roughly. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the answer is, when is, the, when is the morning service? Basically, the answer is um, when everybody gets here. If you could go back in time... What do you think you would tell your 20-year-old self about mission? I think I would say it really looks impossible just now to you, but you're not the one that has to do it. You just have to do what God asks you to do. Uh, You don't have to make this unruly group of guys into, you know, professional this, that or the other you put your little bit of input into their life and God will make them what he wants them to be. So I think that's what I would tell me. What advice then would you have for a young person who is thinking about mission? If they're thinking about it, I would say find out all you can. Read the books, meet the people, try something like Mission and Me, for example. You might even want to go for a short term somewhere, a very short term. You get them now for a few weeks even in a taster. But what I would say is when you've done your two weeks, don't tick your tick your box and say mission, done that bit, back to whatever. Be prepared if God's calling you into mission. Be prepared for the long haul. You might have to go and learn a new language or a new culture. Or, so be prepared for the long haul because it's worth it. And go for it. If the Lord's calling you, go for it. Don't be frightened of anything. Join us next week for part two of this conversation. We hope you enjoyed Till the Whole World Hears. If you found this helpful, please write a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to know more about WEC UK and Ireland, you can visit our website or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in the description. Join us next time to hear more about what living as a missionary is like. Thanks for sharing our podcast and blessings on your week. Goodbye.